No game for the Dodgers, so that means mailbag. We're talking all-stars. We're talking all-star hats. We're talking trade deadline, as always, talking bullpen and a bunch of other things that you guys ask. So that's what's on tap, so make sure to keep it locked on Dodgers. You are locked on Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, 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 Dodger fans. Welcome to Lockdown Dodgers. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Lockdown, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash MLB and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. This is a daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue. You can find us wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube simply by searching for Lockdown Dodgers. And if you want to become an everydayer, which is the exclusive club of people that listen to us every day, you can make that easy on yourself by subscribing in each or both of those places and get notified when our new episodes are up, which is every weekday morning, every Monday through Friday. If this is your first time listening watching, I'm Vince Amperio, and that's my co-host, Jeff Snyder. And we are both lifelong Dodger fans that have covered the team, have been in the press box, been in the locker room, been all over Dodger Stadium, been to a lot of places that watch the Dodgers and watch a lot of Dodger games. So we're not quite insiders, but we're here to bring you what we think is the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue. And that's what we're here to do. So, like I said, no game. So we're going to take mailbag questions, which is always great. Uh, the, the Dodgers were active uh, on Thursday night, though. It was the, the Blue Diamond Gala, I believe it's called. A lot of Dodgers in outfits. I only saw a cup office that I actually really liked. A lot of the guys seemed like misses this year. Uh, Jason Hayward looked great. Yeah. Uh, that like a pink suit with a t-shirt under it. Uh, Jason Hayward, he's got the kind of body that could look good in anything. Uh, uh, Miguel Rojas couldn't tell if he was just wearing a suit coat without a shirt or just the deepest V neck in the history of the world. Maybe it was a vest without a shirt. I don't know. It was, uh, if he had cleavage, he would have been showing a lot of it. But, uh, other than that, yeah, nothing. Uh, I thought Freddie's suit looked nice. Mookie always looks good no matter what he's wearing. Yancy Almonte looked pretty good. Uh, yeah, but uh, pretty good. Yeah, simple is better. Uh, Johnny DeLuca looked pretty cool in the white. And then Bobby Miller went all black. Bobby Miller is just a, a smooth-looking dude when he, you know, he keeps it simple, but he has enough flair to make it work. So I thought Chris and Mary Taylor looked awesome, too. Very like Both of them are very kind of understated looks, but uh, yeah, I thought they looked really good, too. Yeah, we've seen Chris Taylor grow up in our eyes. He used to be the single one at all these events, and uh, now he's married and having a kid and, you know, doesn't have to come by himself anymore. Little Christopher's growing up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like I mentioned, mailbag episode, we put out a call for questions. We got some questions before that. We got some questions uh, when we put out the call, but we'll just jump right into it. Uh, the first one we'll talk about is... From our buddy Brandon Johnson at Brandon John 442. He says, Is there any world where the Dodgers would sign Shohei Otani, but also try to bring back JD Martinez? I don't think so. Uh, you know, JD Martinez wasn't a good outfielder even back when he was young, and now he's not young anymore. I, I think, you know, the Dodgers did have to put JD in the outfield the other day uh, briefly. Luckily, it didn't really come into play. I just think JD's 
days of playing the field are behind him. And Shohei has never played the field uh, in, in his big league career. I'm sure he could. I'm sure he could be a solid outfielder. He's extremely athletic. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Terrence Gore was extremely athletic and terrible outfielder. And so, you know, there there's no guarantee that, that Shohei could be a good outfielder. Uh, I think if Shohei was available at the trade deadline this year, they – would figure out a way to let make Shohei and, and JD coexist on the roster uh, by making making them take turns playing the outfield or something. Uh, but I have a hard time seeing them actually pursuing both guys as free agents next offseason. Yeah, I think Otani's played like eight innings of outfields uh, with the Angels, but not, nothing nothing of value there. But I mean, he did play over in Japan. I'm sure he'd be fine. But I don't think that's something you want, especially you know. He, Pitches 100 games, you don't want him in the outfield where potentially he could throw the ball another 20, 30 times if every ball was hit to him or a bunch of balls were hit his way. So yeah, I don't see it happening. Um, you know, you, you I think of like Pujols was kind of an honorary. Well, he was necessary for a little bit, but then after that, just kind of became like pinch hitter, play every once in a while type deal. But at least he could play first base passably. Um, and I'm sure J.D. Martinez could do that too, but the Dodgers have Freddie Freeman, so they don't really need anybody to play first base. So, yeah, I don't think they'd handicap the roster by having somebody that's really just there to hit. Maybe can play defense once a week if they really wanted him to, but probably wouldn't want him to anyways. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, next question. Uh, this one we got in our DMs from Mark at Tweets by Mark D. Uh, he says, first time, long time. Thanks, Mark. Uh who are your favorite current people to hear call Dodger games? I really like Joe Davis for the TV broadcasts and Rick Monday and Charlie Steiner for the radio broadcasts. I also generally dislike most of the national broadcast announcers, but maybe that's just the Homer in me. Ha ha. Ha ha. Indeed. Mark, what do you think Vince? Yeah. Uh, national broadcasts. I usually don't even have the sound on anyways. And you know, you're never, I don't think you're ever really going to like a national broadcast because they're not talking about your team in, well, with the most knowledge and, you know, not that, you know, Joe Davis and Oro and, and pretty much everyone with the Dodgers does a pretty decent job of not, you know, fully falling into the homer, even though they are, you know, employed by the team. And uh, maybe Don Trails a little bit goes a little bit into that and, and you know, cheering as as things are going on. But, you know, Don Trails fun. Uh, he's, he's one of those guys you like. Obviously, Joe Davis and Oro, that's always a classic. You know, Steven Nelson, a little bit of bias. He's he's a friend of mine. I used to work with him, former coworker. But I, from what I've heard of the games, he's been on I, I don't have an issue i know he didn't have a spring he got into the mix a little late so i talked to him the other day and he was kind of mentioning how you know he's still figuring his way out but uh off this question i don't know if you saw eric stevens tweet the other day with records from the broadcast duos uh yeah joe and oro are 12 and 13 and then after that everyone's kind of around five no one's really too much too high or too low below 500 i know uh steven nelson has an overall winning percentage Joe Davis, I think, is overall winning percentage when you add everyone else in. Uh, but that was some pretty good research there by Eric Steven. Yeah, it was definitely uh, in keeping with Eric's brand. Definitely the kind of thing Eric would track. Uh, for me, the the broadcasters, I all of the Dodgers TV broadcasters, I at least like. Uh, I uh, obviously Joe and Oral, I love. They're the classic team. Uh, I really like Eric Karros. I think he has a lot of good hitting insight. I was, uh, I loved the other night. You probably didn't see this because you were at the game, Vince, uh, on Tuesday night when 
Caleb Ferguson was facing Shohei Otani in the eighth inning, and Otani was battling and everything, and uh, and Ferguson tried to throw him a slider, tried to get him to chase, and Caro said, throw that fastball up and in again, you're going to get a swing and miss. And next pitch, Ferguson threw the fastball up and in, got the swing and miss. I feel like Caros has a little bit of that, uh, the, the Tony Romo quality of like really knows the game and can kind of, you know, almost predict what's going to happen sometimes. Really good at explaining things. And I like to have the hitter's point of view because of Oral and Dontrell both being pitchers. So I, I like Caros a lot. Dontrell, I would listen to him do anything. I think he is so much fun to listen to. My favorite thing, a game you and I were both at. I don't know if you've watched, I've seen you've seen the highlights, Vince of uh, Gavin Stone's major league debut, the game that ended with the Max Muncy Grand Slam. And uh, Joe Davis is calling the Grand Slam, and Dontrell's just giggling in the background. It's uh, <laughs> one of my favorite things. Uh, radio broadcasts, I love Charlie Steiner's voice, uh, but I cannot stand the fact that he's terrible at explaining what's happening in the game because that's what I'm looking for in a play-by-play announcer. So uh, while Charlie is very pleasant to listen to, I don't actually enjoy listening to the games he's calling uh, I think Tim Never is very, very good at calling a game. I don't necessarily like his voice as much as Charlie's, but it's not a bad voice, and he's very good at what he does. Rick Monday is, when he's not being a grumpy old man, I really enjoy him. He's, he, you know, he obviously knows baseball really well. He's Dodger history, a lot to like about Rick Monday, but he just gets into his grumpy old man stuff sometimes, especially with, like, with openers. Uh, he just makes the same points about pitchers and their routine routines and stuff. And it's like. Look, it's the Rays that the Dodgers are playing right now, and I think they might know what they're doing. They have the best record in baseball. Maybe they've figured out something about using an opener. Maybe they've considered these things you keep bringing up. So I don't know. Uh, but yeah, and then national broadcasters, uh, uh, Wayne Randazzo, I think is very good at his job. Uh, it's the Apple broadcasts, and uh, he does a really good job as a play-by-play guy. He's got a little bit of a Bob Bob Costas voice to him. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think he's pretty good. Other than that, you know, obviously I don't need to mention John Smoltz. We all know how everybody feels about him. So, yeah, we got more questions on the way. So that's what's on tap. So I should keep it locked on Dodgers. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Baseball season's in full swing. There's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. If you were to head to FanDuel and wanted to make a bet, you know, there's good bets to make. Are You can make same-game parlay bets, which are a bunch of things that happen in the same game. You know, Freddie Freeman getting a hit is a pretty good one to make on a on a – almost everyday basis if you combine him with with maybe Mookie you know that's a bet that's that should be happening every so often or you know more often than not if you want to get into some future bets you can put the put some money down on the Dodgers to end up still winning the NOS that's probably some good money I know they're still the betting favorites in most places so you'll craft you won't make as much money but uh if they fall a little bit more maybe maybe people won't like them anymore but either way don't miss your chance to side get no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars when you join FanDuel today so go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Okay. 
Thank you for making Lockdown Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. Make sure to check us out wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. You can also check us out on SiriusXM or the SXM app if you search Locked on Dodgers. That's also how you can listen to the home broadcast for any Dodger game, SiriusXM or the SXM app. Search Dodgers and you can listen to the home broadcast. All right, Jeff, let's get back into these questions and we'll take one that uh, will lead us into another question. But the first question comes from at Jay Smith 0808. He says, last year, L.A. had one of the best All-Star Game hats in recent memory. In regards to this year's caps just released, are you on base or off base, as Mookie would say, on them and why off base, on base comes from Mookie's show uh, that he does where on base means you're good with something, off base means you're good, not good with it. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, uh, well, I, I think I'm both because I think the, uh, what the, the ones that are team colors, those are for batting practice and for the, the home run derby, all that stuff, the day before activities. I think those look very good. The, the patch on the right side is big, but not in a bad way. And it's, you know, team colors. It, it matches the color scheme. I think it looks really nice. Uh, I look at that hat and I think that's a hat I might actually buy. Uh, kind of when it was in, uh, Cleveland a few years ago. I bought that one. It had the guitar on the side and white pinstripes down the uh the sides. Uh I like that one. Me and my two sons all got that hat. Uh this one I could definitely see myself buying. The ones that are I, I how would you describe that color, Vince? The the game day hats. They are like a very muted mint green, maybe. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it, maybe. And uh, I it guess says powder ash is what they're called powder ash okay that means absolutely nothing to anybody uh if you haven't seen them you gotta look at them and uh for me i just i mean it's got the la logo on it so it's awesome uh, other than that i think it's ugly and i wish that major league baseball would go back to uh players wearing their own team uniforms in the all-star game like they did every year up until a couple years ago because that's better yeah i'm off base well mainly because i don't not a big patch guy especially when it takes up half the side of the hat i don't mind the color of the non-traditional color ones but like seattle has some of the one of the best color schemes in baseball to me like the teal and the navy blue the fact that it's not teal or navy blue is just you know doesn't make sense to me so i'm off base on them like so that color in general not terrible but it just doesn't make sense especially when you have the neil and tape and navy blue on the side of the hat uh connected to all-star game logo yeah and, and and there's no reason to buy a dodger hat in that color like it, it's not a bad looking hat it's just yeah. generic and boring and so i i don't see why anybody would actually buy that dodger hat so uh all right next question um i like this one from michael at whitman seven he says if you could only keep two out of bobby miller emmett sheehan gavin stone and dustin may for next season who are you keeping? And uh, for purposes of this question, I assume he means only two are staying in the organization. The other two you're trading or shipping off or whatever. Yeah. Well, Bobby Miller's one. Uh, and I've been a fan of Bobby Miller since they drafted him. Uh, I've been on the Bobby Miller train you know, since then. And the fact that he's you know proven to be good or at least have the, the stuff to be able to be good on a consistent basis, it would seem like makes sense there. After that, it, it's hard because, you know, he might be on the precipice of another surgery potentially, or, you know, maybe he's always on that precipice. 
but I'm just a big Dustin May fan. And, you know, the fact that he's already proven in the major leagues is, you know, a big, a big part of that. And, you know, the fact that, you know, he was, he's doing what basically what he was supposed to do. And then he ended up, you know, getting hurt, losing a season to Tommy John, who knows what's going to happen this season. But I still think I would trust, you know, even it sucks as if he came back and at least they had a, well, a full season and then got hurt again. You'd be like, all right, well, if you give you, you know, every other season, maybe it's not terrible. Uh, but, you know, Sheehan had a good start. We'll see what he does Friday. But, again, he wasn't, like, a, expected to be, you know, anybody ridiculously uh, high up there. And then, you know, same with Stone. And Stone, it's not a matter of what he's done this season, just a matter of he's not higher than the other two in my head. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you that Bobby Miller's number one. I have a really hard time because I can make a strong case for any of the other three as the, the second guy to keep. I really – I'm still really high on Gavin Stone. I know he's been terrible in the big leagues this year, and he hasn't been very good in the minor leagues either. But I do think that Gavin Stone is going to be a very good major league pitcher. And so I, I – uh, but Dustin May has already been a very good major league pitcher, and and it's really just about health. If you could guarantee health, I think Dustin May and Bobby Miller are the easy two answers. Uh, I think they have the best stuff of the four. And uh, – you know, but that probably also means they have the highest injury risk of the four. And so, you know, it, it's hard to hard to know. Uh, and Sheehan, I don't know. I, I think he's fourth for me, even though, I mean, really when I said I like this question, what I mean is I hate this question, uh, but, uh, but in a good way. Uh, yeah, I'm very glad that we don't have to make this choice, so I don't have to feel bad putting Sheehan fourth on the list. Uh, but I think I'd go Miller, May, Stone, Sheehan, in that order. Yeah, on the same page. All right, let's take one more real quick. Staying on the pitching topic uh, from our buddy Kevin at Blue Goon 82. He says, let's say Otani signs elsewhere. Would you overpay for Julio Diaz in a weak free agent market, even though he's more of a two than an ace, or save the money for someone else down the line? Uh, and, and I don't really think of Julio as being a two more than an ace. I think of him, he's either an ace or he's less than a two because, and that kind of depends on what, you know, right now, the last time we saw Julio on a mound, he looked terrible and then he got hurt. And so I have no idea what to expect from Julio when he comes back. I'm really, really hoping that him looking terrible in that last start was because of the injury. Uh, and, and, you know, it just was nagging or something. Um, I don't think the Dodgers are, uh, you know, Kevin asked if we'd be okay with overpaying for Julio. I don't think the Dodgers are in the overpaying business, and it's not so much about saving money for for somebody else. Uh, I think it comes down to the years on Julio. Well, he uh, says would you I, overpay, not the Dodgers. Yeah, um, and, and I like the way the Dodgers do business, so I think uh, I I I would treat myself the same way, Andrew Friedman. Um, basically, I'm saying I'm Andrew Friedman. That's what I'm getting at, and. Uh, I'm his burner, but no, I, I think that if, if Julio wanted to come back for a five-year contract, uh, I'd be happy with overpaying a little bit per year, um, getting Julio. I, I'm not interested in Julio as a 34 year old, uh, but you know, a 30, 31, 32 year old Julio, I'd be okay with to, to get his, his peak years, uh, if he is healthy and, and effective the rest of this season. I think I'm the opposite on that. If he wants 200 mil, I'll give him 200 mil for 10 years. 
and then just deal with, you know, in five years, 20 mil a year probably won't be much anyways. You know, Noah Syndergaard made 14 mil this year. So, um, but yeah, I don't think the way premium pitchers have gotten paid the last few years, I don't think I would pay that for Julio. And I love Julio and, you know, Mexican, you know, all the connections are there. But for me, it's just like the st- it, it's the stuff. And, you know, we see Kershaw dominate without that stuff. He's not, you know, Kershaw doesn't throw mid to high 90s anymore or anything else. But Clayton Kershaw is, you know, once in a generation talent. Julio, it can be that and has been really, really good. Like, no knock on him. But, you know, you don't necessarily know how the stuff will continue to play up. Um, and even this season was a mix. Like, you know, this season was a mixed bag. We'll see how, they, how he comes back. But, yeah, I don't think I would you know, be breaking any banks to pay him. And from what we've seen the last few years, like Garrett Cole got paid, you know, some of these, other, you know, well, Strasburg a few years ago got paid. That was a bad one. But like, other than that, like other guys that have been either good or even Cy Young winners or contenders, they haven't been getting paid like ridiculously, you know, Kevin Gausman, Robbie Ray, like some of those guys are getting 20, 25 million. Rodon maybe got overpaid for a little bit last year and he hasn't even thrown a pitch this year. But I don't think those guys, you know, you can get a, a decent quality starting pitcher and not have to, you know, pay, you know, people were saying 200, 250 mil. I don't think it's going to be that high. Yeah. I, I'm thinking like, yeah, six years at 25 million a year or so for Julio, that's 150 million bucks. I think, you know, and, and I'd be totally cool with that, assuming that he is healthy and effective this year. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, you, you have me second guessing myself, maybe because Julio does have experience pitching out of the bullpen. So he could maybe transition to the bullpen role, even if he didn't have what it takes to be a starter. Maybe I'm not as a, opposed to a a long term deal for him because he's not necessarily going to lock them into a rotation spot. Maybe. Yeah, we got more questions, couple more, but we're going to take a quick break. So that's what's on tap. So make sure to keep it locked on Dodgers. Thank you for being an everydayer. If you're an everydayer, thank you for listening. If you're listening right now, make sure to subscribe wherever you have podcasts and on YouTube. And make sure to check out SiriusXM or the SXM app. If you want to listen to the home broadcast for any Dodger game, all you got to do is search Dodgers on SiriusXM or the SXM app. You can also listen to us on there if you search Locked on Dodgers. All right. We got a couple more questions. One or one more and then a discussion that we have. This one comes from Pat Dwyer at the real PJ Dwyer. He says, have the bullpen struggles yesterday, notwithstanding been systemic or individual. For instance, could any of the rule changes be changing the equation enough that the quote prior lab needs to recalibrate in some way? Uh, I, I don't know about systemic. I I think, you know, I I guess if it's between those two, I I think I would say with individual, but I do think the rule changes might be coming into play. You know, like we've talked, for three years now about how Bruce Dark Gratterall needs to strike more guys out. Uh, and I think without the shift, uh, maybe that is a bigger deal this year. It's kind of funny. Gratterall is so interesting because his ERA still looks really good, but that's because he's got 500 runs allowed that were really all his fault. <laughs> and so, you know, I he hasn't pitched nearly as well as his ERA shows. And, and he doesn't need to strike out more guys. And so I think some of this stuff where – when guys aren't getting the strikeouts, I think it is harder to be effective because of the the shift being banned. Uh, maybe some of the the base running rule changes 
like the Dodgers in general have been terrible at holding runners. And I'm sure the bullpen is part of that. I don't know for sure. I don't, I can't think of anybody like Kenley Jansen or Blake Trinan or Noah Syndergaard in the bullpen who they've just been running wild on, but you know, Really, the shift would be the big thing, and I do think some of these guys who aren't getting as many strikeouts as they should, uh, that could be affecting them. I think the answer is a little both because, like, the system has affected guys, but individually they all might be affected by something different. Where, like you mentioned, Gratterall with, you know, the shift might be something. You know, some guys maybe with holding runners on. Vessia is one we know that the pitch clock bothered him. You know, Dave Roberts mentioned that. I don't know if any of that – I haven't seen – like, Gratterall, the first couple of times of the season, I think the pitch clock, I think he was speeding himself up a little bit too much. He didn't realize that, you know, you still have time to do what you need to do. Um, but I don't think that's been an issue recently. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think overall it's a systemic issue, but I think within that system, every individual has had some kind of issue with uh, what's happened. So, but again, I think it's been, and they talked about it the other day, how they haven't, Evan Phillips mentioned how they, you know, and Ferguson and everybody, how they had a talk. There was not really like, you know, Jansen was the leader of the bullpen for a while. And regardless of how he was pitching, he was still looked up to as that guy, you know. And then uh, I don't remember if it was Phillips or Ferguson or whoever mentioned Dave, David Price the last couple of years. You know, maybe they didn't they didn't have that person. They didn't have that somebody to look up to. I don't think it, you know, it's obviously they mentioned David Price. So it's not a matter of like closer and everybody else and it's just a matter of like you know somebody being there and maybe you know they weren't talking about it and everyone's just kind of trying to work on their own things and you know not that talking is going to fix it but it, it worked the last two days so maybe it is going to fix it yeah and uh i maybe i should make an eric steven style spreadsheet about bruzar's performance when his hair is braided and when it's long and flowing uh yeah, we'll, we'll see if i get to that this weekend yeah. All right. Last thing, uh, real quick. All star voting phase one is over. The Dodgers have four players uh, that may be all star starters: Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, J.D. Martinez, and Will Smith. Mookie Betts was second in overall uh, voting for outfielders. Uh, Ronald Acuna was number one, so he's automatically voted into the All Star game. So, uh, but Mookie had a comfortable enough lead to where I think he's going to get in anyways. Freddie Freeman was. First, did he finish first? I know him and Olsen got close toward the end, but he finished first in overall voting. Um, and then JD Martinez finished first and Will Smith finished second. So yeah, and I think it's safe to say that all four of those guys are going to be on the team. It's just a question of whether they're starting. And then uh Evan Phillips is probably going to be on the team, and Clayton Kershaw is almost surely going to be on the team. And Vince, I was wondering, is there a chance that we see Kershaw start? the all-star game for the second straight year after not doing it so far in his career until last year. Uh, last year he was deserving, but probably not the most deserving in the league. And it was more of a, well, it's at Dodger stadium. It's a career honor, all of that this year. I mean, he's what third in the league in ERA he's tied for the league lead and wins. He's second or third in strikeouts. Uh, he is legitimately a candidate to start the all-star game. And, and honestly, if you do want to go to like last year it was like, well, he's never started an all-star game. He's this hall of fame pitcher. He's never started one. Well, that's not that much better an argument than he's this hall of famer. He's only started one all-star game. You know, I think you could still go with the, the career honor thing and the fact that he deserves it this year. I, I, I don't hate the idea of Kershaw starting the all-star game again. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the national league, you, you, you don't have like, if you ask me who should start the national league all-star game, 
you know, Kershaw would be an answer because I know he's been good. But then you think about like, oh, wait, who should start the National League All-Star game? And there, I mean, Marcus Stroman's a leader in the RA, but. And Bryce not, Elder's second. Those are the yeah. only two guys ahead of Kershaw. It's like Bryce Elder is not starting the All-Star game. Yeah, you look at top 10. You go Stroman, Elder, Kershaw, Gallen, Merrill Kelly, Michael Walker, Alex Cobb, Logan Webb, Blake Snell, Drew Smiley. None of those guys are other than Kershaw. Kershaw, Gallen, only because he's been good for a few years now. Nobody else is really like, oh, yeah, that guy should start the All-Star game. And so, yeah, it makes sense for him to be that guy. If, assuming he has one or what, two more starts uh, or maybe three that are high-quality starts. You know, Spencer Strider has a lot of strikeouts, but he's gotten roughed up a few times. Like, you really think about it. Like, Sandy Alcantara, who was coming off Cy Young, he hasn't been that good this year. So there's not really anybody that stands out. So if it has to be someone, why not Kershaw? And he did good last year in, in his inning, so. Yeah, uh, he's got my vote. I would guess it's Stroman, though. That's my guess. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe he'll implode these next couple of starts and give way, to give way to Kershaw. Yeah. All right, Jeff, uh, that's all the questions. Thank you all, guys, for submitting all those questions. We appreciate it, as always. You got anything else you want to add, Jeff? Uh, no, I think that's good. Dodgers take on the Astros this weekend. It is not the pitching matchups you would have thought. The Astros are pitching, I think, two guys I never heard of, and Hunter Brown, who's a good rookie. The Dodgers are starting two rookies and Tony Gonsolin, so a little bit different look than years past for Dodgers-Astros. But either way, I'm sure Dodger Stadium will be uh, will be a rocking. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for making Lockdown Dodgers your first listen. Make sure to check us out wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Subscribe and become an everydayer. It's the easiest club to join. All you got to do is listen to us every single day. Tell your friends and family about us. Remember SiriusXM, SXM app. You can listen to the home broadcast for every Dodger game. Just search Dodgers. You can find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vincent's91. DMs are always open on all those accounts if you need to get a hold of us. You can also get a hold of us via email, lockdowndodgers at gmail.com or via voicemail text at 323-863-5625. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us. When you get in your car, if you're at home, tell your smart device play podcast, Lockdown Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you on Monday.